Welcome to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast, where we seek to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. I'm Shane Garcia, and I am back at it again today with Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin. Doc, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. Uh, it's uh, it's what January now when we're going to release this one, right? Huh? Yeah, it's it's January seventh, Doc. Yeah, and heaven knows what the weather's going to be like then because it's balmy today. But heaven knows what it'll be like January seventh. Yeah, because we we recorded this podcast back in December before the holidays. Well, we we're in the middle of the holidays that we recorded it on December 16th. But we're coming back at it today with Steve Euknis, former college radio program director, former college radio promotions director, worked for over a decade in commercial radio for 105.7 X, 105.7 The Edge, as it was formerly known in Central PA, a couple years up in Syracuse, New York for K-Rock and a couple of their sister stations, and for the past eight years or so now, has worked for Apple Music as their rock, alternative, and comedy programmer, where he reaches millions of people. Millions of people daily, Doc. Yes, and he is, he is, is uh, I still remember, he. I knew him as Yuki. Yuki. Back in those days, back 20, 30 years ago, Doc. Yeah, maybe even a little longer than that. Nah, nah, not longer. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make Nixon feel like he's too old. <laughs> All right, then, then twenty years ago, I'll give you that. Let's do twenty years. He was Yuki to me. So let's bring Yuki back in here for part two because in part one we talked about his love of music, his love of radio in the early days. He thought he was going to be a lawyer, but then you know he got involved with the college radio station, got involved with WLVR Lehigh's Lehigh College's radio station. Came to Millersville University, got involved with Millersville Station, WIXQ, and somehow, some way, he eventually got on the concert committee. He ran for station manager his sophomore year, Doc. Yeah, he didn't uh, He uh, didn't get it, though. Didn't get it, though, but that didn't stop him from really getting involved with the college radio station because thanks to his work at the college radio station and thanks to his work at the concert committee, he got a chance to work for WQXA, 105.7 X during his sophomore and junior and senior year of college. But I think it's time to talk a little bit more about his days in commercial radio, his days in streaming at Apple Music, and just really about how much college radio as a whole impacted him. So let's let's bring him back in, Doc. Do you think it's time we bring back Yuki? Yes. <laughs> I like it. Short but sweet. Let's bring back Steve Euknis, the Scholastic Transmission. So pick it up where we left off, Steve. We had talked about your days in college radio at 91.7 WIXQ in Millersville, Pennsylvania. And while you were at Millersville University, you worked on the concert committee and it helped you land a gig with 105.7 The Edge, WQXAFM that is now known today as 105.7 The X. And you worked there throughout the rest of your days in college and for over a decade then thereafter. So if you could, would you be able to talk about what you did at The Edge, The X, during your days in college and how it evolved after graduation? So I got, so I was almost the night, I was almost the night jock um, my senior year of college. I was almost the night jock there at, 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 uh, at QXA. We had just changed to The X. The, the, the night guy who's now still the night guy is the number one son he was the night guy way back then and he left, he left and went to Cleveland and the job opened up. And um, there were actually two positions really open. There was a 
and uh, a night position and an overnight position. And the overnight position, the overnight position was taken by a guy and he was going for the night job. I was going for the night job. And uh, another WIXQ person we were talking about earlier, Maria Davis, was also going for the job because she was there as well. And so all three of us kind of going for it. And um, I think by the nature of me still being in college is the reason I was kind of odd man out there. Maria ended up doing the overnights. She was already graduated at the time. Uh, the guy who was doing overnights got moved to nights and I was sort of odd man out in terms of the full-time job there. Um, I think most of that was because of just because I was still in school, but my senior year, I might as well have been full-time at the radio station. To be honest, I was there 40 hours a week, at least. Um, I was the prime fill-in person for every day part for every vacation, no matter what. So I was, I was on all the time. I'll never, I remember skipping, uh, I remember spring break senior year, everybody leaving to go on spring break. And I was doing, I was filling in for Jen shade doing afternoons um, on, you know, on the X and, uh, and I left and went and I went on spring break like that Thursday or something, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, my senior year was really a lot of me working already working there in basically a full-time capacity and just balancing everything else around it, which, you know, I think I did fairly well. I didn't, I didn't have any grade slippage or anything like that. So it was good. And then after I got very, very lucky, um, that program director that was there left in July or July or so, and I had just graduated. And the new the new program director ended up being that same woman I was just talking about, Claudine, who ratted me out for <laughs> saying bad things. But then, you know, she had, she grew to like me and she called me and she just said, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be the program director do you have any interest in becoming the music director at WQXA? And I was 21 years old and I was about to be the music director at a commercial radio station, which is insane. You know, if you think about it, that's insane. And I was like, absolutely. I, I want to do that. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. So why do you think that was that she looked at your talent, looked at your knowledge and looked at your experience and put you in that role? She just, you know what, Claudine's great. And she just, she just has an eye for that kind of thing. And I think she understood, I think she understood the passion that I had for music and for radio. Uh, we had a lot of long talks about music. Um, I think she, you know, again, being at the college station and coming right off the college station, uh, I was engrossed in music there as well every day. So I wasn't just listening to the things that were being played on, on QXA or the X. I was, I was, I knew the stuff that was coming up, right? I knew um, all the things that were coming, all the all the newer stuff, all the things that maybe m might make sense for the radio station a year or two down the line, who knows? Um, and she's really good at recognizing that. And um, yeah, I think just, you know, it's, some hard, it's one of those situations where I think hard work and, you know, passion paid off and I got a killer job making 18 grand a year. So it was, it was awesome. <laughs> I'll never forget you telling me how much you made there. <laughs> yeah yeah my first my first my, my first job eighteen thousand dollars a year um and i felt like to be frank i, I mean again i was 21 years old I, I felt like a millionaire right i was like this is great you know <laughs> i was all about it it was awesome so how did you use your time as music director and really eventually then assistant program director to really make the station stick out amongst the rest and really how important was it to have diversity on the airwaves to truly make the x everything that rocks yeah look that station in my opinion 
that station was magical from the day it started as an alternative station kind of all the way through um, the evolution of it. And you know, I think the people that have worked there over the years, just, you know, I, I can't take really any credit for it other than just being a part of it. Um, just being a part of a really, you know, we talked about the family of what WIXQ became that radio station became a family in its own right as well. And it was just the way the pieces fell together. I know, I know I, I don't need to get into you know, how Nipsey got there, you had a whole podcast about it, but like, you know, uh, I did listen to that and he, you know, he mentioned me and, and I, you know, that his, he, he, you know, he sent me a note saying, Hey, I'm going to apply for this night job. And this was after the guy that, after I didn't get it. And the guy that did get it left Nipsey came in and I was already doing warnings at that. I was doing the uh, Howard Stern stuff at that point, but you know, he called and was like, Hey man, I'm going to apply for this job. And I really went to bat for him, right? I went, I went into Claudine and said, "Let you know, we should get this guy a shot." Um, and you know, bringing him in and just you know the dynamic that him and I, I had for, you know, ten years, not quite, but like you know, eight years or whatever it was, you know, number one son when number one son comes back and and becomes a part of the station again, you know, the the Michelle Cruz years, which were just just absolutely, you know, absolutely incredible and 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 um you know, and Ronnie coming in and being the promotions director for a period of time, you know, so that we all had that Millersville tie, but on top of it, it was just like this, just, I don't know, this magic dynamic at that station where we just, we had a lot of creative minds. We had a lot of people who, who, who thought a little bit outside the box that weren't thinking, you know, weren't thinking in a straight line. And, um, you know, again, I heard Nipsey talk about that and how we would be like, you can't do this. You can't do that. And I was, I was on the management team. Right. So I'm part of that team. That's like, are you talking too much? Are you doing this too much? And, you know, we always believed in him. And so, you know, and he, I think he wasn't saying we did not um, but you know, he was absolutely right about that. We did at times be like, all right, we got to get a little bit more in line, but then we never really actually got in line, you know, on his end, on a lot of different ends. And we just kind of did things our way. And I'll say this about that radio station. This is so this is something that he didn't say on his podcast that I'll say here. When when Nipsey took over mornings on WQXA and he told you the stories about how he was, you know, beat up about it. And it wasn't any of his fault. It was just, you know, the the power of Howard Stern. Howard leaves, whatever. Fast forward about a year and a half. The show's successful. Obviously, it's still there, right? The show worked, worked in every way. When we did a when we look back over that past year and a half nationally a lot of the stations that had had howard stern all went under all folded all changed formats some stayed but most changed formats wqxa was the only station in the entire country this is true that had howard stern lost howard stern and the ratings in the morning went up we were the only ones and that's obviously huge huge props to nipsey on that i mean that was his show but i think it was also the power of, of the station as a whole as well right once we kind of came up with an approach of like we're going to make this stand out as a whole now we can't just focus on this morning thing anymore it's got to be a lot of different things and yeah and that's and that's a true that's a true story and so you know i think just in a lot of ways we just stood out in that regard and it's incredible what it became I know when Earl David Reed was still with the show, he had told me, you know, look how many shows are left even after that. So many shows replaced Howard Stern and the People's Morning Show was the only one standing. The only one. It's absolutely true. And, um, you know, I think that's a testament to obviously the show. 
And I think it's a testament to the station as a whole. So yeah, it, it was a very special place. I, I, QXA was, I, and by the way, when I when I ended up leaving, which you know we haven't talked about yet, but when I ended up leaving, it was I had to make a decision. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because I I I just I, I feel like I could have stayed there and done afternoons for another ten years if I'd wanted to. You know. Before I talk about your leave uh, for bigger, better pastures, uh, so to speak. I would like to talk about the hyperlocality of it all and even the programming of the X, especially back in the day, because I still see people commenting all the time about Screamer of the Week, Loud, even Beats, for example. People are still talking about the diversity that you would hear making it everything that rocks. Yeah. I mean, well, think about that. Just think about that for a section, right? Like, you know, you talk, there was, so what you're referring to for anybody who might not know is on Saturday nights, there was a show, there was a metal show, and then there was a electronica dance techno show back to back i hosted both of them it was and we called it loud and funky or beats or beats on the x at one point and imagine that imagine that just on a commercial rock radio station in general that at 11 o'clock at night on a saturday night you'd flip the switch and you would go all metal for an hour and a half and then at 1 30 in the morning you flip the switch and all of a sudden you're playing fat boy slim and the chemical brothers and and things like that like that's the kind of thing that we would try that, that and, and things that would work, right? Things that, that worked at at the X that I think, you know, I don't think a lot of stations in the country would have the guts to do something like that. But we were like, all right, well, what, you know, what, one thirty in the morning and everybody's walking out of the clubs in downtown Harrisburg, what kind of vibe are they in, right? They just want to keep it up. They want to keep going. And and then we went with that. And, you know, I can, I'll tell you this, the number, I'll tell you the number of people that listened to both those shows together, like that loved Fear Factory, but also loved listening to, you know, the Prodigy and Chemical Brothers and things like that. So, you know, you know, things along, you know, I just we we always strived to, you know, our term was what we called it in nerd radio terms was super serve the core, um, which is, you know, find those core listeners in central Pennsylvania and really just drive it home with them and just, you know, you know, you talk about the locality thing and all and you know and and the little back and forth that Nipsey and I would have, but I couldn't for five years, I couldn't go into a public place without somebody walking up to me and asking me to see my hands all because Nipsey had gone on the air and said, I had small hands. He started, his wife at the time said it first actually. And she was like, Oh, you have small hands. And, And he just ran with it. And for the next five years, everywhere I went, I had to show my hands to people. It was crazy. I mean, things like that were just crazy. That's ridiculous. And they still talk about your small hands. They still do. I would have got, I would have six foot, like these huge biker guys walk up to me in a bar and be like, you're Nixon, right? Like, yeah. Let me see your hands. And I'm like, oh, really? And the, But the a lot of times the joke was I'd put my hand up and this six foot biker would have like a smaller hand than me. Because he had been been made fun of by his biker friends for having small hands. And it was like a big joke there. So like things like that would happen all the time. And it was just crazy. Doc, I could tell you're itching to say something. That is that is so true of, of, of people. I mean, I mean, I used to have a guy that I used to make on my radio show who had what I call the garage from uh, Messness. OK, <laughs> and and my listeners would meet him. And they'd want to know what kind of mess does he have in his garage? Because I said he had the messiest garage. And he st- he told me, I, I mean, he's still alive, uh, that people would come up to him and ask about his messy garage. Jack Fry's messy garage. <laughs> it's, it's crazy what people remember. Yeah, it's wild. And, and, that's, and that's the power of what, you know, 
both in college and commercial radio, what we were doing, right? No, I mean, that's, that's what people are people. That's why you do your show. That's what yeah. you want. You want people to react. Speaking of what people can remember here, our guest on episode 15 of Scholastic Transmission, Andrew Wheeler, who works for CJLO up in Canada, he said to me, this was, this was two months ago, he wrote to me and he said, if you ever talk to Nixon, I'll need you to give him a message of thanks from me because loud and funky is really how I got into any of the weird stuff that I got into in metal and electronic stuff. One time I sent him an email, I think about asking about a track he played, and in addition to sending me the info, he made me a CD pack, and I didn't get a chance to pick it up for months, and he held it at the station until I went to get it. He also included a Nine Inch Nails single in there, which he could have known was my favorite band, so I loved that. End quote. I mean, that gives me goosebumps. That's incredible. You know what I mean? Like, again, all the stuff that we were talking about earlier, like, that's that's amazing. And I'm, and I'm glad that I could touch somebody in that way, right? That, you know, and I again, that's that's what I still strive for today. That's incredible. And please tell Andrew, thank you for the kind words. And I'm glad I'm glad it made a difference. That's, that's amazing. I have to ask you, before we talk about leaving the X here, what are some of your favorite memories working at WQXA? Oh man. I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, I, I mean, one, <laughs> one that comes to mind is just, we did a, uh, Nipsey and I had a, again, we had, there were many challenges along the way. Um, mostly uh, there were a bunch of challenges based around like Cowboys Eagles games as I'm a Cowboys fan, he's an Eagles fan and things we had to do. But I think one of the scariest for me ever was I, I wish I, I don't remember the charity. I wish I did, but we were doing a um, uh, this charity event where you had to raise money and they put you in a jail cell, like in and it was at the village in Lancaster. And and um, in typical fashion, the two of us got going at it, and we made a bet that whoever raised the whoever raised the least amount of money, then at the end of the night, had to go on stage at the village in a speedo and um sing i I would i was gonna have to sing uh hands by jewel of course and i wasn't sure i I knew because nipsey was the bigger personality that people were going to be more apt to want to see him in a speedo than me and so therefore that was what i was going to play on but i I wasn't sure that i was going to win that bet i wasn't sure that i was going to raise more money than him um and luckily for me, I did, and he had to do the speedo challenge, and I didn't. Um, but I mean, that's 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 one that always sticks in my mind for sure. And then there were just a lot of other. Just I mean, I don't need to get into all. There were just a lot of human moments. Just um, you know, people that we love that we lost that were there. Um, just you know, just just very you know interpersonal human moments that were great. But there's so many. It was such a, such a great time. And I have to thank you again, because without your presence on the air, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't be doing this podcast today because it's people like you that made me want to get on the air and, and be on, be a DJ. So thank you. That's amazing, man. And, and look, you're made for it. You're doing, you're doing a great job. So, you know, and you know, I'm here to help you too. Whatever you need, let me know. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. So in 2008, you decided to bet on yourself and leave Central PA for Syracuse, New York. What made you decide to just get up and leave? But more importantly, how was your time in Syracuse, New York? How did it affect you? 
because you learned a little bit about the CD side of the business there during that time as well. Yeah, look, uh, it, by the time the 2008 rolled around, at that point I was 33, 34-ish, um, I I just wanted the reins of a station on my own. I wanted to be you know, in the program director. I had been the interim program director for quite a while for a minute in at QXA. And, you know, for whatever decision the boss at the time made, they wanted somebody older than me to come in or whatever the case was. And it was just time, you know what I mean? It was like, so I stayed there for a few years after that, but I wanted, I wanted to be the program director. I wanted that. I wanted that. I wanted to, to formulate the station in its full, especially because I had had a taste of it. Right. I had been doing it for like a year and a half at QXA before this other guy came in and I really enjoyed it. And I wanted, I wanted to, make sure I was doing that and take that next step. Um, Syracuse offered me that opportunity. I got to go to a station there called K-Rock. I was running uh, two radio stations, an alternative and a rock station in, in Syracuse and Utica. Um, I ultimately ended up also running a sort of a pop hot AC station as well as um, doing uh, an afternoon show on ESPN radio. So I did talk show myself actually for uh, a couple years. Um, I ended up there for four years and really loved all of it to be honest um there were definitely moments certainly moments where you know it was a different environment i worked for a local owner who had an office in the back right as opposed to a big giant company which i had been working for my whole career i'd always worked for um big corporation and now i had the owner of the station sitting in the building which presents um its own benefits and its own challenges and yeah look it was i don't have really much bad to say about syracuse other than 128 inches of snow uh, in one in one year is a lot of snow, and I don't miss that at all. <laughs> um, but I was offered a lot of opportunities there as well. Again, to run several stations, to do a talk show, I got to be very um, involved in Syracuse athletics. I got to be, I was in charge of the music at the Carrier Dome um, during football games. I literally got to play the music. I know. Doc, being a big PA announcer, understands the thrill of, of being on the sideline of a sporting event and uh, and getting to have a little bit of control of the crowd. Um, so that was fun. And yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. It was a good time. It was a good time. And I learned a lot. I also learned, the one thing I'll say is I learned by the time I left there that maybe I wanted to try something other than radio, right? I'd, all, I'd been doing radio at that point. By the time I left, Syracuse I had been almost 20 years in the business at 38 years old right and my mind started the race about what else I can do so that's that is another thing I took out of Syracuse so what did you realize that you wanted to do then after you left radio so I didn't know um, which is really weird I left and I, I I wanted to work in music still like music was still my passion right some of the some of the things that have happened over the last decade in radio um, became less of my passion. And um, I think radio is still great. And I think there's, it's just not, you know, get as somebody who did it from the early nineties until the, you know, uh, you know, into the aughts, if you will, it, things just changed a little bit differently for me. And I didn't have a real idea though, but I was like, maybe I want to go into doing stuff with concerts. Maybe, I want to go into the record side of it and work for a record label. All things I, all things I explored. Um, the other element, the other thing I wanted to do, ironically, based on where I am now, is though I, I'd really explored getting onto a national platform. Like I, you know, it's like local was great, but I really wanted. I mean, I was very, 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 very close to working with SiriusXM at one point. 
and I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to, that was a company I wanted to get into. So, you know, so that technically is radio, but it's not local radio. So I don't know. I had a lot of different ideas. None of them really involved what I'm doing now, but I mean, to a certain degree it does, but not really. Not, I didn't know what I did now even existed at the time. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a, I didn't have a, I didn't sound like I had a real strong roadmap on it. So let's talk about what you're doing now. How did you get a chance to work for Apple Music? You know, much like I said with uh, the music director job, you know, from graduating college, uh, lucky, right place, right time. And, you know, I guess I have to give myself a little bit of credit because I've taken advantage of all those situations and didn't blow them. So I'll give myself a little bit of credit. I'm not one to normally to do that. But um, basically, I was in New York City. I moved to New York. I um, always wanted to live in New York. I never had a chance to do it. So I went with New York for a year. Took a total non-industry job. I was working in the beer industry for a year. I was, uh, I was a beer salesman for a year. And I would go out and I went to see a band play. I went to see this, like, I don't even remember what the band was. It was like a local metal band that was playing in New York. A friend of mine just was like, you want to go? And I said, sure. And then like the next day I was texting with a friend of mine that worked in Apple Music. Well, at the time it was iTunes. I worked it up. It was iTunes before Apple Music. She worked at iTunes and she was in charge of pop music. And I was telling her what my night, what she's like, what did you do last night? And I told her, she's like, wait, you like metal? I didn't think, I didn't know you liked metal. I was like, oh no, I used to do a metal show. Like, yeah, totally. I mean, obviously it's, I haven't listened to it as much lately, but you know, I've always been a fan. And she told me they were looking for a metal and rock um, programmer at iTunes. She was like, so why don't you send your resume to me? And I said, sure. Wasn't really thinking anything would come of it. This is Apple, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting a job at Apple, you know, whatever. But I sent it over. I'm like, it's probably 50 million people going for this job, you know. I send it over. They get my resume. I do the interviews. The next thing you know, I'm the rock and metal programmer at Apple for iTunes. And then um, not long after I got there, we purchased Beats Music. And we're transitioning into the streaming space. And then I took on the alternative stuff as well. And here we are, eight years later. Again, it just goes to show that it's all about who you know. Yeah, like, look, again, yeah, relationships are so important. Um, and I tell people that all the time. You know, uh, I think one of the things I try to pride myself in, and, you know, I think maybe you'll attest to this. And obviously, you know, the story you told me about Andrew, um, I... I'm very accessible. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't care if, if, if in 10 years I became the CEO of Apple, it wouldn't matter to me. I still answer, I still answer emails and Instagram posts, just like, you know, I don't care if you're the president of Interscope or you're the, the drummer <laughs> in a local band in Boise. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, you know, it's like, if you're, if you're taking time out of your day, but look, obviously we all have limitations as to how much time we have in our days and our lives. And I do my best to, keep up with it. But like, you know, I'm, I'm, I do my best to answer everybody. And at least it, it might be a line. It might be two lines. It might not be a three paragraph email, but you know, I think it means something to, you know, if you're, if you're an up and coming band and you send me some music and you take time out of your day to email it to me and whatever, just, you know, just knowing that it's not sitting in the ether, right. Just knowing that like, Hey, thanks, man. I'll give this a listen shows that it got there. And I think that stuff's important. Um, and, and, you know, and ultimately relationships, I've had relationships come from that and relationships do happen that way. And, you know, just treat everybody kind, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the key. What does the typical week look like for you as a programmer at Apple music? Uh, 
look, it, it's, I mean, it, it's changed a lot in the last two years, right? I mean, we've been in weird times. I've been doing all my scheduling from, from my couch. Um, but it's a lot of meetings. Um, I do a lot of meetings, a lot of talking to artists, which is great, which is fun for me. Um, and then, you know, the cadence is sort of like, you know, it, there's no real cadence because music's coming out all the time. So I'm just constantly listening to music. That's what I do. It's, it's you know, my email, my inbox is full of new stuff that's either coming or just about to be out. Um, every week I get, you know, I have an entire list of all the stuff that's coming out that I listen to. And then I just sort of sort it out and go, this, this goes, this goes here, this goes here. This makes sense here. This is terrible. We'll never get played anywhere. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, that, and that's really kind of, it's kind of an ongoing thing throughout the course of the week. There's not like a, particularly I sit down at two o'clock and I do this or, you know, it's all, it's all very fluid. Um, mostly culminating in tonight on a Thursday night when, you know, the most of the big new releases will come out like on a Friday, a lot of times. So a lot of it culminates at the end of tonight, but um, today's a Thursday, by the way, for those that are listening, just so you know, um, yeah, culminating in all of that, but it's, it's a very fluid thing across, across the board. I remember you telling me just how excited you were to get back into that music, because when you were working in radio, you, you said, oh, I have to be more worried about the picture hanging on the wall. And now you're back to where you really want to be. Yeah. I mean, there, when you look, when you're running a radio station and, and doc, you can talk about this as an advisor too, even, even just like the details that, you know, the little things that, 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 you know, you left so much to the, to us, the students to do. And it was, it was, it was great. And then, and then we learned a lot from that, but there were moments where we did have to turn, uh, you know, to doc for things when there were engineering issues, right. Where doc had to reach out to the engineer to say, Hey, you know, or get approval on things that we couldn't necessarily get financial approval on or stuff like that and you know for what you know in regard to doc does that when you get to commercial radio that's the job of the program director and then the general manager right to do those kind of things and you end up working with a lot of like you know again a lot of i don't want to say it's minutia because it's very important stuff but it's you know it's not the it's not the hey what songs am i going to put on the radio it's how am i going to get this position filled or how am i going to you know, have this, you know, this sales, you know, the sales goal help met from the programming side. And while a lot of that's fun for me, I love music and music and I want to promote music and I want to get music out there. And um, this job lets me do that, which is great. Let me ask you, Steve here, because the first time we talked, I had asked you for some bands that you thought everybody should look out for in at that time, 2019 and beyond. And you gave me white reaper and the dirty nil. So now here, in 2022, give me two bands that you think people should keep their eyes out for in 2022 and beyond. Sure. For the record, I told you that in 2019, and a year later, White Reaver had a number one alternative song and a number and a top ten alternative song. So, so I was ahead of it. I'm there on that. Um, th so right now, Turnstile. There's a band called Turnstile that is just. I mean, they're getting a lot of press now at the end of the year. They're on a lot of year end lists. Um, I'm banging the drum for them left and right. The record's incredible. The record's called Glow On. Um, their last record was actually awesome as well. Um, but I think that's a band that in the next year you're just going to kind of see everywhere. Uh, they're they're just incredible. Um, and another band that I'm just really big on is a band called Inhaler, which um, nepotism aside, it is it is full disclosure. It's Bono's son's band. 
Um, that has nothing to do with the reason why I like this band, even though I'm a huge U2 fan. Um, the band is just awesome. They just write great songs. Their, their debut album came out this year. And, you know, just if you like, you know, just straight ahead rock with like a little bit of a British tinge, uh, you should definitely, definitely get that record. So those are, those are, those are two that I'm super into. I love them so much. Both of them so much. They're so good. Yeah. Just, 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 just really great bands. I mean, I could go, you know, I could go on and on about, you know, who I'm looking at, you know, and, and my picks, but, um, but those are, those are, those are two great places to start. As we start to wrap up here, I have a couple more questions that I wanted to ask you. With your experience in commercial radio, in college radio, and especially now working for a streaming service, how can college radio differentiate itself and make it stick out in 2022 and beyond, especially as so many current college students are using the aux cord and not the radio station? Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you know, look, first and foremost is, you know, again, we talk about that personal connection, but getting out there and, and sort of making that and and letting people know that this is, you know, again, show by show, probably more so even than, you know, at a whole as a whole, and they can they can discover the other stuff. But, you know, finding these people that are going to be into the things that you're out there playing, right? Like for me, it was again, it was punk and ska. So, you know, Paul and I were at every single punk and ska show at the Chameleon Club at the time, you know, just handing out the flyers and talking to people and being like, hey, and as much as, you know, again, it, there still is that element of if your friend can tell you about something, right? And that's what you want to be to the listener. You want to be their friend. You become a trusted source for them. Um, and that's how you kind of draw them in. Um, you know, obviously, and I know you guys are doing a great job of it, but like just, you know, making sure that digital presence exists. I don't know. I don't know how this looks nationally because I haven't, I haven't explored it too much, but you know, I don't, does every, does every college station stream? I don't know. They should, you know, if you can be, you gotta be at least, you gotta be at least in that game. You gotta be at least on the internet to, you know, because <laughs> people do listen to radio stations, even, even with their aux cord, they will listen to something that, you know, interests them. So, I mean, that's, that's really important. And, you know, again, it's, it's just, putting great content out there, um, giving something people, I think, I think one of the things, you know, and I, I preached this even back in the early nineties is making college radio be unique. You know, if you're doing not that nothing against people who want to do a show that's like, you know, if you just want to play general, very populist rock, you can do that, but you're never going to beat the X, right. You're never going to win that battle. So what, what, if that's your, if that's your wheelhouse, how do you make it better? How do you make it more interesting? How do you go deeper? Um, and I always encouraged our DJs on the air to do that too. So, so give, give people, you know, a value proposition. They can't really kind of get elsewhere from, from the dial. You've said this commonly throughout this podcast, that going to Millersville university was the best choice, you know, for you as you reflect back on, on your life when you were in college, even when you were in high school and even these past 20, 25, 30 years since, what are some of your favorite memories from your days in college radio? And what wouldn't you have today? without college radio and WIXQ? Ooh, what would I have without it? I don't think I'd have anything without it. I, I mean, I don't know who, that, that, I'll start with that second part. I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that because luckily I did have it. Um, so imagining what it would have been like if I hadn't met all the great people and done all the things that I was able to do there. I, I can't even, because it was so formative for me, I don't, I don't know what, what would have happened if I, I mean, I'd probably be a lawyer, I guess. I don't know, you know? I guess maybe that's what I'd be. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. 
um, or a bum. I'm not sure. One of the two. Um, as far as memories, though, again, just the, the, the camaraderie that we had at the station. And there are a couple of things that I really remember that I loved. Um, one, one was just the way that we would all kind of drop in on each other. Like there were just, we were all friends and we would all, you know, jump in and jump on the mic and pick songs for each other and talk. And, you know, there were, you know, you know, I can, I can name the people, but it's, you know, it was Jim Messina and it was Mike Penzone and it was Alex Kaufman and it was Andrea Bold, you know, later um, who came after me and was actually our intern on our show before she took over. Um, you know, just so many great people that, and then, you know, again, same thing with the people that preceded me with knock and, you know, and even, even Nipsey with his talk show, just, you know, having moments, Joe woke as well. Um, all these people, we would, we could just jump in and just sort of be a part of it. And that was, that was super, that was super awesome. Um, you know, we did, there were, I mean, I'll, I'll, I remember there's a local band there in central PA still playing around called the jelly bricks. Um, who were friends of mine, we had them come in and, you know, do an acoustic set and, and, and that, and that, and that wasn't things that we really did back then. You know what I mean? We, you know, having, having a setup for a band to come in and play full acoustic was, was not, was not normal back then. And, you know, we did that, which was, which was very cool. Um, I will say this, I'll do the, my one other little bragging thing is I would be, I'm the program director that brought the station digital. I'm the, I'm the program director that got that computer, got the first computer in the production studio where we had digital editing software. I know, I know you heard Andrew and, and Nipsey over the last, you know, over the last couple of podcasts talk about editing tape. Um, and when I got there and became program director, I said, we need a computer and we need, um, at the time it was called Sol, the precursor to Adobe, but we had the first digital editing under my, under my reign there. So that was kind of cool to have people be like, oh, and all of a sudden, the promos got better and you know things you could do got better so just all those moments were great do you by any chance remember a promo for a show called the g-spot i do remember that so yes yes i mean there was look i'm gonna say this there was the promos there were promos that made the air that were always a little like oh, okay and then there was some stuff that never even got on the air which i wish i had tape of like there, all promos had to be approved, and there was definitely promos that did not get approved. Let's just put it that way. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that you were the person who really brought in that first computer there. That way people could have that, because as we do these podcasts, it's important to talk about the history amongst it all. And whether or not it's our college radio station, WIXQ, or some station in Alaska or California, Colorado, it's important to make sure the history is maintained and it can live on forever so people know what happened before they were there, but even the people who were there during your time, they can learn what happened after even before that as well. And I'm glad that people like you can promote what you did at the station so people can have an understanding of what they can do for the future. Absolutely. And I think that's very important. And, you know, a station like WIXQ with the history that it has and the people that have been through there, you know, I, I know of a couple college radio stations and IXQ's one that has some pretty, pretty gravitas people. Um, there's a great station in Ithaca. A lot of great music industry people have come out of that. There's a great station right outside of New uh, in New Jersey at Seton Hall that a lot of great radio and, and music people have come out of. And also, you know, again, there's another element to this of, uh, you know, there's a record side of this, right? There's a music industry side of this where 
to this day, a lot of the people who were my college radio music were my college radio record reps. The people that were calling and promoting records, they were my age. They were working at a college and, and being, they're still some of my best friends and they are all big wigs at major labels now, which you talk about, you talk about, um, you know, making those connections. These were people who were the same, you know, they were the record version of what I was on the radio in college. And now they're running promotions department and running record labels and running, you know, these big record labels and that's and you know that we all came up in the same time and it's incredible one last question here for you steve as you reflect back on your life as that little kid grabbing those elvis records those beatles records working for wlvr on the air as a high school student to being the program director the promotions director for wixq working for the edge the x k-rock and now in apple music as you reflect on each individual medium, whether or not it's, you know, physical medium, what you hear on the air or over your aux cord. But again, knowing how much college radio has had an impact on you personally and professionally, why should people support college radio? I mean, look, <laughs> there's many reasons, but it is it is so formative. Okay, it's formative for the students that are there. But if you use college radio properly, it's formative for the listener as well. Um, the number of things you can discover on college radio is incredible. It's 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 much like the public sector, right? We talk about public TV and and things like that. These are these are these are the places where culture starts to get formed. And when you lose those places, it just all becomes a big giant flat line, right? The peaks and valleys of what college radio does and, and, and what comes out of it culturally can't be understated. It's just it's just too important to 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 sort of bring that along. Otherwise, you're going to have this thing. You're going to have all of culture melted down to the same seven people nationwide making all the decisions. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. So really, that's that's the biggest reason is to make sure that you know, art, culture, and all the important things like that continue forward. Um, and the base of that is college radio. Steve Huckness, thank you so much for joining Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Doc, this has been wonderful. Without a doubt, one of our best podcasts we've ever done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, it, and, and he reinforced everything I was trying to do. I mean, giving the kids the ability to make decisions and every so often having to step in behind the scenes when they went a little over the edge. And that was going on. I don't know if you knew that, Steve. I had I was connected to the college. Oh, I know. I was, oh, I know. And I was able to get funding with the with the help of you kids. And and you did the best thing for me by uh, by doing what you were. But uh, you were right. Every so often this hair would turn gray. <laughs> Because well, I feel I, that. Yeah, and you, well, I'm not going to comment. Hey, hey, look at, we have the same forehead. Look at there that. it is, there it is. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And all I'm going to say, who loves you? Doc and Mama do. Do you still remember that? Who loves you? Oh, I you? remember it. I'll, Doc I'll and that. Mama do. Jimmy and I say that all the time to each other. So trust me, we that'll never, that'll never go away. You know, Doc, a common theme throughout this podcast with Steve Eugnes here today, and really this week, is networking and the value of the relationships that you build with the people that you meet through your college radio station. And I think coming out of this podcast, I think we really want to hammer it home 
just how much networking can do to you as a college student, as a listener, as an advisor throughout your time in college radio. So I think this is the best topic to talk about on the next episode of Scholastic Transmission. Why don't, what, what do you think about that? Obviously, I will be doing some of the talking, right, Shane? A lot of the talking, but I've experienced it a lot as well, especially thanks to the alumni that I'm able to meet through the college radio station, like Yuki, like Nipsey, like Darissa Belinsky, for example. Yep, and I am and have written on something called networking, and it helped me. That's how I got all my jobs was through network, Shane. I got all my jobs through networking. So why don't we come back next time for another episode of Scholastic Transmission where we talk about the value of networking at the college radio station. And Doc, I know you're so excited to talk about this one. Oh, I've been waiting, Shane. I have been waiting with bated breath. But hey, we've we've had one heck of a week with this podcast, so we got to pump the brakes and come back next week for that. But in the meantime, stay up to date with Scholastic Transmission by following us all across social media at College Radio Pod. And like I said there, you can find updates on the podcast, some questions about your days in college radio, but especially what other college radio stations from all across the globe are doing to preserve and promote the medium in their own right. And by the way, please, 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 Share this podcast with your friends, your family, and anybody that loves radio, and especially college radio. Now, before we go today, Doc, is there anything else that we'd like to talk about with Yuki here today? I'm done. <laughs> Again, short but sweet, short but sweet. I know that's how you like it, Doc. You got it. So for Steve Euknis and Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin, I'm Shane Garcia. Thank you so much for listening to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Class is dismissed.